Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. So, Liz. Yes. As we're waiting for our special guest to arrive, hopefully he shows up. <laughs> We've been blown off before, right? It, it hurts. It leaves a mark. We're not going to lie. <laughs> he obviously does not realize how important we are, but we'll, we'll stand by. Anyway, plenty to cover before uh, he joins us on the podcast. But um, again, another crazy week of news, but something hilarious happened that is now inflamed the official political punditry class. And that was Ron DeSantis calling Anthony Fauci an elf and saying that he should be thrown (laughs) across the Potomac. This has David French very, very alarmed. Let me tell you something, Julie. I know that I speak not only for myself as a Virginian, but others in Virginia that we, we do not want him. Do not throw him across the Potomac to us. Um, <laughs> there you go. I don't know. We don't. We 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 do not accept that energy here. So no, thank you. Um, I thought it was pretty funny. It was a little more snarky than Desantis usually is. Um, but I I I enjoyed it. You know, did you enjoy it? I, I assume you enjoyed it. Of course I did. Of course I did. I mean, so how are we supposed to portray Anthony Fauci now that he is coming out? denying that he ever wanted the country shut down against all evidence that we have recorded for history, what he did, um, claiming that the lockdowns caused no negative impact on our kids, which every parent knows also is a complete lie. Um, And now it seems even that little cabal is backtracking on vaccines. If you saw Politico this week now, which they were right. I mean, the Trump White House did try to push for a quick uh, authorization of the vaccines. It's not a lie. But they've been sort of trying to credit Joe Biden for this. And Joe Biden's tried to take credit for the vaccines. Now, all of a sudden, you know, it's uh, it's all Trump's fault. It's, but yeah, um, I think that's so funny. That's such a that's such a predictable maneuver is that now that people have soured on the coronavirus as a whole, like and everything associated with it from the lockdowns to the masking, to the vaccines, to the more vaccines, to the you can't come in here without a vaccine and having children's lives ruined. Now it's Trump's vaccine. But the funny thing is that it was always Trump's vaccine. But the minute Biden got into office, it was Biden's vaccine. And it was really Trump who, to his credit, and we don't give him credit, a lot of credit here, but this runware occasion, we're going to give Trump credit. And he made that happen so fast for the government machinery. Like they never do anything that fast. We would have waited five years. If there was a Democrat president, we would have been locked down for five years while they were fucking around trying to make a vaccine in a kitchen. Right. So I I give Trump credit for that. Uh, do, Do you think that the Trump well, let's see. I don't want to say the Trump administration because it's seemingly more and more as the books come out. Trump was just like an island unto himself and everybody else is basically like a treacherous son of a bitch. But I think Trump didn't predict the way the vaccine would be used as a control mechanism. Um, you know, and I think he believed what they said about the virus because, again, you know, he's not a medical professional. That's that's my impression. I think he had no idea how it would be used as a control mechanism. What do you think? 
Um, well, yes, true. I mean, he didn't realize a lot of things related to this from the very beginning. <laughs> and if there were no vaccines, the virus would be long gone. So we have that. <laughs> we well, have that to thank Pfizer for. Um, well, speaking, but, do you know Jill Biden has a has a on COVID again? Like, what is it when you get it again after you take Paxlovid? like a rebound case of COVID recurring or something they keep saying, and they keep saying it's very rare for a re you know, to, to get it again. But like all the people that have high profile people that have taken it have gotten the rebound case. Like Biden got it. Jill Biden got it. Remember Fauci got, got it. He took a Paxlovid and then a couple days later back, he's positive again. Ugh, yeah. That's, that's really bizarre. Um, so, but back to DeSantis, what I like about yeah. what he did and what he has done related to the lockdowns and, I mean, I know he was pro-vaccine for a while. I don't really see that happening now. Um, look, DeSantis has definitely made some missteps when it comes to handling the pandemic from the beginning. He shut down Florida. He shut down the beaches. You know, he sort of played along initially. He wanted to keep the state open, I think, the second go around, but there was pressure from the White House to keep it shut closed. Um, but he's certainly learned many valuable lessons. And I think learning what he did um, is fueling his justified outrage at the continuation of some of these policies and the refusal for people like Anthony Fauci um, to to fess up for what they did. You know, they, him and Deborah Burks and everyone else involved, they just refused to, even though they kind of dance around the edges of it, um, they refused to fully come out and say all of the devastating, deadly choices that they promoted when they were on the coronavirus task force. Um, so Ron DeSantis speaks for a lot of us. I mean, I could think of a lot of other things that should happen to Anthony Fauci besides being tossed across the Potomac. Well, all I'm saying, again, I want to reiterate that we do not accept him here in Virginia on the other side of the Potomac. So maybe inside the Potomac. I'm kidding. I'm just totally kidding. It's a joke. I know. Um, yeah, I, I, I. I do applaud DeSantis for recognizing fairly quick what was going on. I mean, I, I think I'm a bit more sympathetic than you are as far as at the beginning of this pandemic when really nobody knew what the fuck was going on. And I think Trump kind of fell into that, too, where he believed like so many people now don't anymore. But at first, he he trusted the public health officials. And, you know, I'm sure DeSantis kind of, to some extent, you know, he's a, he's not a medical doctor. So when a medical doctor tells you something or someone who pretends to be a medical doctor but hasn't practiced in like 40 years or something tells you, you know, this is what you need to do. It, But I will say he was like the first one to say we're done and we're not doing this. I wonder what what. Um, the, how the population of Florida has increased, like from January 2020 to now, like how many people moved to Florida because Ron DeSantis like kept his state open and kept everything open and no mask mandates and no vaccine mandates and any of that. Right, right. So, but um, David French and others are very upset for this sort of language because it harkens back to things that Donald Trump would say, nicknames, making sort of threats. 
um, it's okay for, you know, the media and Biden regime and Democrats to make all sorts of physical threats um, <laughs> against against Republicans and threaten people that they're going to throw them in jail and leave them in solitary and everything else that this regime is doing. Um, it's just so amazing to watch people. Now, David French, and for those who, well, if you're listening to us, you know who David French is, former National Review writer. He's over at the Dispatch right now. The Dispatch, it's important to note, and I try to do this on social media as much as possible. One of their funders is Facebook. They are, for some reason, a new website, relatively new blog, was just started in the past few years, filled with never Trumpers. But suddenly, without any track record, they are paid Facebook fact book checkers, which means they look at news coverage and they debunk stories that they view as untrue. Now, of course, the overwhelming majority of those stories are from the right. The dispatch basically is monitoring its own competition, including American greatness, including the Federalist, their quasi uh, competition and paid by Facebook. Now, what politician has ticked off Facebook and big tech more than Ron DeSantis? Josh Hawley, maybe, but I mean, he's powerless, but he has really gone after them with teeth. So now you have David French and the dispatchers going after Ron DeSantis, claiming he's against the First Amendment because he wants to obviously curtail big tech's grip on public and political discourse. So now he is fully gone from never Trump to never DeSantis. Yeah, I just think he's never never conservatives, right? Like I, I, I'm always curious about what principles these people hold that make them define themselves as a conservative or on the right. You know what I mean? Like, what are your policy positions that, you know, cause you to identify you're on the right? Because it seems like it, it, it's much more a cult of personality for these people. And they just don't like the way certain people behave. And, but it, again, I just, I don't I don't think that this is a substantive criticism. I just think that they're looking for a reason not to like Ron DeSantis because one, they're out of it, right? Like they're out of the DeSantis orbit. These are not people who the dispatcher, even National Review, although less the National Review, because I know Charles Cook is is, I think, friendly with the DeSantis crowd. But David French is never going to advise DeSantis, you know, they're never going to have a position as, quote, authoritative as um, they have or with as much power as they have with the left. And that's who they've aligned with, with Facebook, right? Because Facebook is just really their job is to censor the news so people only hear about the things that they're supposed to hear about. And, you know, that is what people like David French and other their other, quote, fact checkers are doing, which is censoring, you know, a more. I don't want to even say a more because I just don't really see how they hold any conservative positions anymore. Um, but they are, you know, stifling their competition and smashing out ideas before they gain traction. Right. I mean, a lot of if you you look at David French and Dispatch on Facebook, it's all an outgrowth of what happened in 2016, which is that they didn't have somebody censoring as heavily. And there was a terrible accident. And that accident was Donald J. Trump. We can't let that happen again. So now it's okay to censor stuff. Anyway, that was a long digression, but I'm not surprised that David French doesn't like that doesn't doesn't like DeSantis because DeSantis is the real deal and he yep. isn't 
playing by the rules of, you know, the Marquis de Queensberry. And he's not like a polite loser like Mitt Romney. You know, that's the kind of Democrat they like, which is one that's smooth between the legs, like a Kendall. That's the de- that's the Republican that they want in office. <laughs> and a lot of Republicans are sick of those kind of Republicans. So good luck. Well, let's you. let's continue to riff on this while we wait for our podcast date. Who I, I don't think, think he's coming. Gonna, I mean, I'm my mascara is running down my face now. I feel like am I, I waste am I wasting my lip gloss? I think you are. Don't put any more lip gloss on, Julie. I should have put waterproof mascara on today. <laughs> well, he's going to be sorry. Um, <laughs> we're going to key his car when this is over. <laughs> then we're going to crank call him. We're going to take a Louisville slugger to both headlights. Um, <laughs> speaking of loser Republicans, let's talk about Mitch McConnell's comments this week. I have no idea why we are saddled with such a craven um loser who complete not only does he not understand what time it is and what the base wants he actively works against it so he's already made comments about uh low-key throwing shade at some of the senate candidates we would assume people like jd vance blake masters who else would he be dogging herschel walker maybe I think uh, he hasn't been supporting Adam Laxalt, who is running against Catherine Cortez Masto in Nevada. That's a gettable seat as well. Okay. Um, now, if you're throwing shade at Dr. Oz, I'm all for that because that was a huge mistake. But for the fact he seems to have a brain damaged um, Democratic opponent, John Fetterman, who walks around like he looks like a homeless person because apparently he lives in his parents' basement or something. I don't know. He does. So he might have dodged a bullet there, except Dr. Oz will go and um, act like a total progressive rhino Republican. But anyway, so Mitch McConnell is upset about some of the Senate quality candidates because they're not groveling at his throne. But also this week seemed to reject the results of a poll that shows most Americans, their number one issue is they see uh, threats to democracy for various reasons. We know what those reasons are on the right. Mitch McConnell quickly downplayed the results of that poll, dismissed them, except for the real threat to democracy that he views is January 6th, 2021. That was why so many people, Liz, in Mitch McConnell's view, are worried about the future of democracy. Yeah, I think... um... I don't think McConnell's going anywhere. He also basically gave up on the Senate. Like, he full-on said it. Like, he was basically like, oh, yeah, right. we're, Talk about we're, that. we're not going to win the Senate. It's like, hey, way to go. Way to go. Um, what a great what a great coach. You know, like, you guys are going to lose, but go on out there anyway. I mean, that's, like, basically what he's saying. But I think, and I, I, I believe that McConnell is not putting money into these races, right? He doesn't like the candidates because he doesn't control them. So he doesn't like the Blake Masters, the J.D. McVances, maybe the Adam Laxalts. Who knows? I mean, look, these people go into office and they become pod people anyway. So, but he doesn't like them. And he's worried that if they get elected, he's not going to have any control over them. And so he does, he's taking a sandbox, his toy out of the sandbox. He's not going to play. Now, remember how many times over the years that we've been asked to eat a shit sandwich on a candidate 
that we don't like who's a Republican, like a John McCain or George W, even W. A lot of people didn't like W so much. Um, And that's I'm not even going to get into Senate candidates who were asked to, like, you know, again, eat that shit sandwich. But here's McConnell and he doesn't like those those candidates and he is not going to he's he's not going to play. Now, do I think we can get the Senate? It's hard to say. I mean, I think the possibility is there. I definitely think the possibility is there. But, you know, um, it's going to it's it's going to be hard without like a very unified message coming out of Republicans like this is what we stand for. You know, and that's because Republicans don't really stand for anything. (laughs) I mean, let's be honest. I mean, they don't. Julie and I were talking about this earlier on our on our call on a call that we just do to talk shit about people. Um, And they, the Republicans just don't really have a platform other than, you know, we're not demented like Joe Biden or we're not Joe Biden or we're not progressive, but really, you know, they, they, they've shown us in the past that they have no, we have no reason to think that they'll ever use their power that they do have to stop anything. They won't, they'll write letters, they'll have hearings, but really nothing is going to happen. So, you know, but back to, back to Mitch McConnell, I mean, he's, Again, he's the House, he's the Senate minority leader. He's got a lot of power as that. And, you know, he's fine with that. You know what I mean? Like, he's not going to aim high. Or he certainly, again, doesn't want to not have control over his caucus, the, you know, the caucus in the Senate, the Republicans. And I think that that's a big, a big part of it. And I think I saw today that Donald Trump called for Mitch McConnell to be like immediately removed if the GOP takes the Senate. And, you know, I just don't think that's going to happen. Um, I know that Rick Scott was making some effort to kind of take a leadership role and they like bashed him. He actually came out with like a plan and, you know, he he's very serious. But I don't know if he could get the votes against McConnell if McConnell wants it. And I'm sure he does. So either way. OK, but you know, OK, but let to your point, the Republicans, especially in the Senate, stand for nothing. They traveled to Ukraine to grovel in front of Zelensky, who is a crook, and they keep sending him money. That's all that they care about. If you get rid of McConnell, who do you have? John Thune? John Barrasso? No, I think Rick Scott. No, I think Rick Scott. I, I know Rick I Scott. I don't know. Was- Rick Scott is not that impressive to me either. I mean, he straight out said he's not endorsing and he would not give money. He's head of the National Republican Senate Committee, would not give money to anyone but incumbents. Um, I, I, I don't view him as a strong alternative. I mean, really, who is a well, strong alternative? I didn't say strong. I just said <laughs> alternative. I didn't, I didn't say strong. And okay. I don't, I don't think the Senate is obviously because of the way it's, you know, the way that the senators are elected, it is a more moderate, you know, because it's a statewide election and not, you know, a, a district, which is more, more concentrated, more like your neighborhood, um, you're definitely going to get more moderate people in there. But, you know, we've seen McConnell whip his dick out when it's necessary. Right. And and I say this to talk about when he basically shit can Merrick Garland, which took a lot of balls when he was like, no, we're not putting him on this. You know, he's not getting a hearing. We're not putting him on the Supreme Court when Obama nominated him in it during, a pres- uh, you know, the presidential election year. So right. I will. So. That shows me that McConnell can do things like that. He just chooses not to do things like that. So, and that's because he's not on our side. (laughs) 
he's an, he's he's the controlled look McConnell and McCarthy lead the controlled opposition right there's a pretend opponents there's a pretend alternative to the uh, to the Democrats right the alternative is these clowns but the fact is they're basically on a continuum you know I mean there's there's they're not interested in making the kind of changes that are necessary if we want to stop some of this crazy shit that our government is doing, especially with these cr- bills that they're passing, this giant leviathan that was just passed a couple weeks ago. They're, you know, it, what is it like their deficit increasing reduction bill or some crap name that they gave it? It's got all kinds of shit in there. Nobody knows what it said when they voted on it because it was like 8,000 pages. Nobody had a, had a chance to read it. So there's all kinds of crazy garbage in there. You know, the Republicans didn't really fight it. And so, you know, what are they, if they get power, how are they going to undo any of that? Well, they're not. They're, they're not. not. They're not. And of course, the number one thing they need to do, which you and I talk about privately all the time, is completely dismantle the deep state, the administrative state, these nameless, faceless bureaucrats like now who do we have to deal with? The National Archives director who is in a snit because Donald Trump, as the ex-president, did not turn over records that she demanded in her letter saying we gave him four weeks to turn. Who are you, lady? Like, these are the evil forces at work, not necessarily the people in front of the camera like Merrick Garland, although he is too, Chris Ray, etc. It is the people behind the scenes who are wreaking havoc and they need their budgets completely slashed, if not cut off entirely. Will even the tough talking Republicans in the House, the people we really like and admire, Will they come up with some kind of plan to do what needs to be done? And that is completely cut off the purse strings to these federal agencies actively working, not just against Trump and Republicans, but but half the country. That no. is where that's where we're at. And They're not going to do Mitch it. Mc- Look, you go back again to Trump 2016. Trump gets in. He's elected. There's a Republican House and a Republican Senate. Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell purposely refused to um, go into recess so that Trump could appoint people as a recess appointment. All right. And that meant they would hold the job for a year. And because, you know, the Democrats promised to never let any of Trump's nominees ever get in unless they were deep, you know, secret, secret deep staters, you know, like Mattis or, you know, any of these other clowns that got confirmed. Um, And so McConnell and McCarthy and, excuse me, Paul Ryan conspired to prevent Trump from putting people in those jobs just for a year. They they conspired against him. And again, we're all supposed to be in the same party. So that's the kind, those are the kinds of people that we're, that we're talking about now. Um, And to your point, again, one of the most important things that needs to happen is if, you know, let's just say a Republican, I don't want to, I don't know if Trump's going to run. I guess he's going to, I don't know. We, it's a sensitive topic. I'm going to talk about it. But let's just say a Republican wins in 2024 and there's a Republican Senate and a Republican House. The first thing that needs to happen, the number one thing that needs to happen is they need to immediately reform the civil service laws. This idea that nobody gets fired in the federal government, it needs to go away and it needs to happen immediately. So anybody who decides to be a fucking hero 
you know, the Eric Chiramellas or the Vinmans or this like little, you know, authoritarian archivist person, the George Kent, the Masha Yovanovitch, everybody. Well, I guess they're no, there's a, they're, I don't know if they're a political appointment. I think, I don't know. Anyone who is a career person, I believe there's 5 million people that work for the federal government. All of them need to know that they do not have the job security because that's the same position everybody else in America is in. All right. Nobody has the, like you can never get fired. That's a very small. That's just for teachers unions. <laughs> but most people right. will get fired if they do not do their job. And that is the first thing that has to happen is that people need to know that if they slow walk something or they lose some documents or they never do what they're asked to do, that they can be fired for that. That has to happen. But again, when you have people like McConnell or, or, or you know, uh, Kevin McCarthy in power, they're they're not going to they're not going to go along with that. I mean, I just don't see it. Well, that's why I think Republican voters are at the what's the difference stage of the November election. What difference does it make? As Hillary <laughs> says, that could be yeah. the motto of the base of the Republican Party. What difference is it going to make? If the House and or Senate are given to Republicans, what are they going to do? I mean, okay, you won't get bills like the Inflation Reduction Act. You won't get more climate bills. Maybe you will. I mean, it depends on the margin. They need a huge margin of victory. They need a 2010 size, uh, what did Obama call it? Whooping? Um, Oh, shellacking. Shellacking. Okay. Uh, So they need, they need you know, dozens, if not upwards. What did they win in 2010? 90 seats? Something crazy. No, but, but it was a lot. It was a lot. So they need a huge margin, right? Because you're still going to have enough of these squishy Republicans um, who are not going to go along with a very radical agenda to dismantle this administrative state to pull back, you know, cut off funding to the IRS now wants to hire or is hiring allegedly 87,000 armed agents to, to rifle through all of your financial records and make you a criminal. Um, they're, I mean, and they're still going to be led by someone like Kevin McCarthy, who put Liz Cheney in the number three position in the Republican conference for no reason. Um, so, this is uh, this. I think this is where Republican voters are at. And if Republicans don't come out full force after Labor Day, the official kickoff of um, election season with a detailed roadmap, promising a pledge. You don't have to do a contract with America like Newt Gingrich did in 1994, but you need something radical to motivate this base. Otherwise, they're going to sit home. We are going to sit home because we'll be like, well, What's the difference? Yeah, that is a big problem. That is the problem I think the Republicans face. And that is why you've seen the gap close on the generic congressional ballot in the fall, where originally we went from there's going to be a red wave. It's going to be bloody and da, 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 and all this, stuff, you know, all this hyping up, hype, hype, hype. And um, some of the recent polling have show, shown that gap close. But the reason is that these people don't they don't have a platform they're campaigning on. We just don't know. What what are they what are they going to campaign on? You know, are they, what 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 actions are they campaigning on? And until there 
these are all things that should have happened before the primaries. And then people who were running for office and even people who challenged incumbents who needed to be challenged needed to be on the same page on this. They needed to be on the same page where they are certain what they're going to do and say, these are exactly the things I'm going to do. We're going to get in. We're not going to fund this. We're going to refuse to sign an omnibus. We're going to refuse to, you know, we're going to refuse to refuse to appropriate. We're going to shut the government down. We're like, we're not hearing those kinds of things. So what, um, Liz, Liz, what's the point? Yes. Liz breaking news. Um, our date is showing up. Apparently his car broke down or his mom took away his, credit card or something the keys to the car (laughs) so we can loop him in do you want to give him another shot yeah i will we'll we'll let me fetch him try one more time make fetch happen i'm making it happen one ringy dingy two ringy dingy three ringy dingy he's saying the link does he says the link doesn't work we didn't give him a link. We're calling him on Skype. What is it? Oh, oh, here we go. Can you can you hear me? Yes. Hold can on you, one second. Why aren't these Hello. <laughs> We're yeah. here. We're can here. You get, let me put on this speaker. Okay. Can you hear me? Yes. Hold on one second. Mike, we I were saying. I'm so sorry for screwing that up. That's all right. Uh, we've been, I, I'm we've in been, Iowa and I put it on, as 10 a.m. on my phone instead of uh, is 10 a.m. Iowa instead of uh, uh, Eastern. And I, my gosh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> we've been stood up by yeah. lesser people than you, Mike. Don't worry. It happens. I, I'm so sorry, guys. Um, all right, so I could barely hear you. Why is this speaker off? <laughs> um. Me, 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 me. Well, let me see if I can. Can you can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah. we can hear you fine. We can okay, hear good. You. Now I can hear you. So we're just okay, going to jump jump yeah, right in. Introduce inter- our guest. Introduce our late date here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Mike Davis, uh, thank you so much. We know you are swamped. You are doing just a ton of interviews and work. Uh, Mike is head of the Article Three Project and uh, former uh, chief counsel for U.S. Senate uh, Judiciary Committee, law clerk for Neil Gorsuch. Very busy, important guy who is uh, squeezing us in, so we appreciate it. But, Mike, we wanted to have you on because you appear to have the most knowledge about the Mar-a-Lago raid, the documents that are uh, being pursued by DOJ, and this entire folly. So if you just want to briefly tell our listeners a little bit about you and your work and then explain this whole fiasco. Yeah. And thank you for having me on, Julie. I'm a huge fan of yours. As you know, I love the work that you're doing on January 6th. That's very important work. So what's going on in Mar-a-Lago is a political charade. It's a fishing expedition and they're trying to get documents from Trump that are declassified that he uh, that the Biden, Obama, Hillary, FBI, Intel regimes know are highly damaging. And those are the cl- uh, crossfire hurricane records that President Trump declassified on January uh, 19th. And let me back up and just say this. So presidents of the United States have the inherent constitutional power to classify or declassify anything they want for any reason they want 
they don't have to uh, they don't have to jump through any bureaucrats hoops. They don't have to get permission from anyone, Congress bureaucrat. This is their inherent constitutional power as the commander in chief, as confirmed by a 1988 Supreme Court case called Department of the Navy versus Egan. Right. The president of the United States is the only person on the planet who uh, does not have to jump through any in any other hoop. This does not apply to the secretary of state, a former president, staffers, anyone. It's just the president of the United States or someone the president of the United States is authorized, right? So this is inherent constitutional power. And the president also has the sole statutory power to make personal any presidential record he wants. And that's confirmed by a 2012 case by Judicial Watch and Tom Fitton against President Bill Clinton. There was this Obama judge who held that President Clinton could keep uh, uh, his audio tapes of his eight years of the of the Clinton presidency uh, in his sock drawer. These were not presidential records because President Clinton determined that these are personal records. Right. So the under the Presidential Records Act passed in the 1970s, starting with Reagan, what happens is, is that before that time, presidential records were personal property of the president and he got to keep his presidential records. Since the Presidential Records Act, uh, presidential records uh, go to the archives, the bureaucrat of the archives, they categorize them, catalog them, and then they're almost certainly sent to the former president's library, where he, they, they keep them in the library. They're owned by the government, but the president, former president gets to, to keep them. It, for all intents and purposes, the former president owns them in the library, but they're officially owned by the government. But again, under the Presidential Records Act, according to this 2012 uh, Obama judge, the, the president alone determines whether these are personal records that belong to him or presidential records. So an example would be these love notes between the North Korean dictator and Trump, right? So if <laughs> if Trump says these are mine, uh, if, if, president, if then President Trump said these are mine, I'm taking them. They're personal records that belong to Trump instead of presidential records, just like uh, just like Clinton's tapes in the sock drawer. So that is the legal dispute. Is if you look at these this home raid um, uh, search warrants on the face of it, they're looking at three potential crimes. One is the Espionage Act. Two is destruction, alteration, theft of government property. And three is obstruction of the investigations into both of those things. Well, as we discussed, number one, it is it is legally impossible for a president of the United States to violate the Espionage Act for the way he handles classified materials because of that Egan case, that two, uh, that 1988 Egan case where the president has the inherent constitutional power. And a good example of this is when in 2012, March of 2012, President Obama was meeting with the, the Russian president, our enemy, one of Vladimir's puppet presidents, and Obama got caught on the hot mic saying to this puppet Russian president, tell Vladimir essentially that Obama would have more negotiating room after the 2012 presidential election. That is highly classified information. Uh, it was relayed to our enemy. If anyone else other than the president or someone authorized by the president relayed that highly classified information to the Russian president, 
they could be charged with espionage. But because it was the president of the United States, he's allowed to do that. Right. And so there's that. So and uh, so then we have so then what you look at. okay, so it's not an Espionage Act violation for Trump to take these records because he declassified them. He declassified them with a January 19th, 2021 memo on Crossfire Hurricane that clearly declassified these records. He also declassified these records by taking them, by his actions. Uh, Yes, the president of the United States can literally wave a magic wand and declassify information like Obama did in 2012 with the Russian president. So they know they're like, oh, crap, the Espionage Act doesn't work anymore for classified materials. They're trying to say, well, it doesn't have to be classified. It could just be national defense materials. Well, there's one case in our history where someone pled guilty in a plea agreement to an Espionage Act violation for national defense materials that were not classified. And it's it is very, very, very doubtful if that would hold up as a matter of law. It was never challenged because it was a plea agreement. Right. So that's that's the classified part. The government property part, as we discussed, the former president uh, is he, he made the president made these personal when he took them. They're his records. It's not government property. These are copies of records when we're talking about, you know, 700 pages of classified material. A, it's not classified. B, these are copies. And, and in the rare instances where he has the original, the Trump had the original and there's not a copy. It could be like the love note from the North Korean dictator. It's still a personal copy. As, but Mike, uh, Mike, hold on a quick second just sure. to um, drill down on this a little bit. So we hear the 700 pages, but you're saying these are copies of alleged classified information or is it even classified we keep hearing it's top secret you know it's secret blah 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 they keep making up like new york times keeps making up these different all the media continues to say that he has classified information and that's why they had to go in to do the raid so you're saying it's not classified so are they intentionally lying the media because we would be shocked what? No. And it's it's also shocking that they're drip drip dripping out this information illegally from the grand jury and highly inappropriately from the investigation, including the affidavit. The affidavit that they won't make public because it's so damning for sources and methods, but they want to just drip 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 leak out of it uh, to to trash Trump. But so here's the deal: it is these records are 100% not classified. That is that is false reporting when they say that they could be marked as classified. Because after Trump declassified them, uh, the Department of Justice and the bureaucrats of the National Archives dragged their feet and did not actually do what the president ordered, like with the January 19th, 2021 crossfire hurricane declassification. Um, the, the, actually, the Justice Department, if you remember, they, they said, well, you know, we still have to look at the Privacy Act, which is nonsense. But uh, the, the Mark Meadows, I'll let them you know, said, OK, well, do the Privacy Act. They just out, out of out of an abundance of caution. But they're still declassified. These are declassified records. So when the when the reporters, when the media says these are classified records, it's inaccurate reporting. These are declassified. So what um, so where does this head from here? So obviously now you have the archivist, uh, the, the national librarian. She's apparently very upset that Donald Trump forgot to put the little index card back into the little pocket in the in his boxes like we have this maniacal now uh another deep stater trying to run the show but um so where does this go from now Mike you know this I know this Liz knows this from covering especially the last few 
years of this DOJ. Evidence does not matter, right? Putting together a legitimate criminal case, presenting it to a DC grand jury, putting it before a normal grand jury or jury, putting it before these DC judges, none of that matters, right? You can make up anything and they are going to sign off on it. So what, it, what in your view, where do they go? They can drip out information, allegations about these documents, but really where is this all headed in your view? I think when they did this raid, this was headed for an indictment of Trump. They thought that they had him nailed, but I don't think that they actually did their homework on the 2012 uh, Obama or the 2012 Clinton case and the 1998 Egan case. And I, I uh, you know, but at the end of the day, I what they did here, this was an unprecedented. It's never happened. Unnecessary. President Trump was cooperating and unlawful. And it was unlawful for the two reasons we discussed constitutionally under Egan, statutorily under the 2012 case. Also, it was illegal because they went to a biased judge. This Judge Reinhardt. So this is a constitutional violation under the Fourth Amendment because they went to a biased judge, a judge, Bruce Reinhardt, who just recused from Trump's lawsuit versus Hillary Clinton on June 22nd because he has a 2017 Facebook post trashing uh, uh, Trump for his uh, on his personal integrity. This guy is clearly biased. He should have recused under the U.S. Code 28 uh, U.S.C. 455A, Canon 2 and Canon 2A of the judicial canons. So they have a clear problem. But look, look what they did here. So they did this unprecedented, unnecessary and unlawful raid by going to this biased judge. They judge shops clearly because Merrick Garland deliberated for weeks. He leaked out before they went and got this this one. So Trump has the nuclear documents, allegedly, which is just nonsense. And uh, so th this is really damaging. This is really dangerous that Trump had the launch codes in Mar-a-Lago. But we're going to wait 18 months to go get those launch codes from him. And then we're going to deliberate for weeks on whether to get a warrant. And then we're going to wait three days after we got our warrant from our biased judge to actually execute the warrant and go get the launch codes. It's just complete nonsense. This is a political charade. If you look at the if you look at the raid inventory, number two says leather bound documents. Those are those I, I, I am almost certain those are the crossfire hurricane documents that Trump had that he de declassified and a copy of which he made personal. So he had every right to have those. I think those are the documents that they wanted because those those crossfire hurricane documents are so damning to the Obama, Hillary, Biden, FBI, Intel regimes that they were willing to to do this desperate measure to go to go get them. So. What they what they could have done is, is they could indict. They could have indicted President Trump. I think they realize now with the blowback from the raid that a, a, an indictment of Trump would be explosive. Uh, and but who knows? They could still do it. We've seen I mean, you've seen this, Julie, with January 6, how bad their judgment is. They're willing to eviscerate 250 years of constitutional executive privilege going back to George Washington, where presidents can get candid advice from their advisors advisors without being, you know, without worrying about being hauled before Congress or a, you know, a grand jury. And that's exactly what the January 6th kangaroo commission is doing. They've done it to president Trump's white house chief of staff, Mark Meadows. They've done it to his uh, trade director, uh, Peter Navarro. They've done it to one of his top outside advisors, pa uh, Steve Bannon. They, they've even done it to his white house counsel, Pat Cipollone. So this is you know, this is a this is a whole different ballgame with these leftists and the Biden uh, Justice Department. These are 
These, this is not your grandparents or your parents' Democrat Party. These are hardcore leftists who will do anything they can to uh, to get power back, or to keep, to keep power and keep Trump out of power. So it's well, scary these people don't care times. about they don't care about trashing the system. I mean, they're trying to overthrow the system. So things like presidential executive privilege or <clears throat> any of these other traditions or tradition uh, uh, longstanding rules that we have that govern this, they, they don't care about throwing that out. Um, well, so let's go back to these crossfire hurricane documents. Um, I hope the president has a copy of his copies <laughs> because that would be really terrible because I'm sure they're not going to return those anytime soon to him, which is very unfortunate. Um, do you do you see any further action on this? I mean, how how does this resolve itself? Like, are they reviewing the documents? Are they making determinations of what they can give back to him? Um, like, how are they proceeding on this if they don't go the indictment route? Well, I mean, we saw with Hillary Clinton with her illegal home server with the most highly classified material imaginable <clears throat> that was hacked by the foreign governments. Maybe they gave these documents to Hillary for her to to file them, which is, uh, you know, she's proven that she's very good at obstructing justice and destroying government records. So she's the perfect person to hand these over to to, to handle them. But, you know, I don't know. I mean, they <clears throat> that's a good question. Trump has filed a motion Um what needs to happen is there needs to be a Rule 41G motion to get back the records. And I was just thinking that, Mike. I was just going to say that. I'm sorry? I was I'm just going to say that. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Well, as you know, Julie, the under Rule 1, <laughs> under 41G, it's under the 41G of the Federal Rules of Criminal Procedure. Exactly. When, when you file that motion, <laughs> you can tee up all these legal arguments that we're discussing. And any other legal argument you can make that it's that President Trump had the constitutional power to declassify anything you wanted. He had the statutory power to make a copy or to take a copy as personal instead of a presidential record. He has the constitutional rights and to not have his home raided based upon a biased judge, Judge Reinhardt. Judge Reinhardt should have recused. Uh, there's also another piece in the Wall Street Journal by David Rivkin that was very good that talked about. Separate from the legal arguments that I've been making, that David Rifkin made the argument that under the Presidential Records Act, it doesn't matter if former presidents have classified materials. The Presidential Records Act contemplates that they have classified materials, and that's why Congress gave former presidents federally funded staff with security clearances for the staff and for the former president, diplomatic passports. Uh, I mean, doesn't funded he still off. have clearance? Doesn't Trump yeah. still have a security clearance? Yeah, he does. And so and then he so, also has office space with skiffs, secure office space for classified materials. They have Secret Service protection to watch these offices and these documents. It's not like Hillary's server that was hooked up to the Internet and hacked by foreign governments that, you know, the Secret Service can't protect that. Really, these are paper records in Mar-a-Lago that Secret Service protected with cameras and bugging devices. And actually, the Biden Justice Department went down there. They knew these records were there. They were in a storage facility in Mar-a-Lago, and all they asked them to do, all they, all the Biden Justice Department asked Trump to do was put an extra lock on, and he did. He's been cooperating with this investigation. So it is just <coughs> mind-boggling that they did this home raid, but for the fact, unless you understand the reason they did this desperate home raid, is because Trump had these crossfire hurricane records that he de declassified on January 19th, but the Justice Department has not made public and the National Archives have not made public because they're so damning.
Well, I think, um, and I know you've got to run, um, but what's frustrating about the crossfire hurricane whole debacle is why if they had, they declassified it late, Trump ordered, I think even in October of 2020 to declassify when John Ratcliffe was had, was DNI head of the, uh, intelligence uh, community. If you have these documents that are incriminating or even publicly damaging to the people involved, why don't why aren't they in the public venue? Why have they not been released? Why are they still in a box? And we and the American people, especially people on Trump's side, haven't seen it. I I agree. They should have made them public. Now, remember what happened, according to the reporting, is Trump declassified them. Like you said, he did it via Twitter. He did it publicly. He finally did it through a memo. And again, as president, he can do it however he wants. He can literally wave a magic wand, right? But he did it the right way on the on the second to last day on January 19th. It was through a memo. But if you saw the reporting at the time, the deep state peeps came to the Trump administration and they did this final desperate thing. They're like, well, there's the Federal Privacy Act and we need time to go through these documents to redact uh, identifying information so we don't violate the Privacy Act, which is just complete nonsense. But Mark Meadows uh, and Trump agreed to go along with this just to, as a, out, of the, out of an abundance of caution. And then Trump left office and, the, and then the archives and the Justice Department never did mm. it. They never followed through. That was just their way of of not getting it done, not making it public. Right. So Trump still should have publicly released them because he had the non-classified a private copy, his personal copy of these records. And so he should have made them public, but I think he was just being, you know, it was, he was, I think he was being he extra was cautious being here. Trump. Yeah, well, I think he was being extra cautious here and he, uh, he got burnt right now. They've gone down and raided his, his records under the pretext that he had nuclear documents and all this other nonsense. And they got back what they wanted. Wow. Well, Mike, thank well, you for joining us. I know also, you, oh, go on, Julie. If you have something. Oh, go ahead. I, have no, I was going to wrap go up because I know Mike. Well, uh, yes. I'm yes. sorry, you broke up. Go ahead. Oh, well, I was just going to wrap up because I know you have a hard out. You told us, so we don't want to keep you. And we want to thank you so much. Where can people find you? Tell our listeners. Yeah. I apologize. It's article3project.org, article3project.org. And it, it's at article3project on Getter, Twitter, Truth. Uh, and my personal is MRDDMIA, MRDDMIA, which is my initials in Des Moines, Iowa. And thank you very much, ladies, for having me on. And I apologize for the delay getting on, but it was great talking with you. All right. Thanks, Mike. Oh, thank Bye. you. Bye. Thanks, Mike. All right. So that was very interesting, but that kind of makes sense. I mean, it's not hard to believe that they would raid Trump just to see what sort of dirt he got on them. You know, I mean, I think that's plausible. What would it what, what do you think? I mean, I think it's totally plausible. But again, speaks to what Mike just said is, you know, Team Trump being overly cautious. Um, if these are damning documents and they're not classified or he declassified them, why haven't we seen them? Like, that's the overriding frustration with how Team Trump operates. We also have been told, Liz, as you know, that there's surveillance video, security video from inside Mar-a-Lago that shows this raid, that Trump has it, and he keeps, he and others are threatening to release it. Well, release it. 
Like, I know. why do we continue to play by rules that are completely gone on the other side? They're not playing by the rules they never had. They are torching the rules. They're torching the law in real time. Release the videos then. Release the videos from the Capitol. Republicans in Congress have that surveillance video. Release it. They also have the video of um, stupid Stephen Colbert's team threatening members of Republican members of Congress, banging on doors, being inside the Capitol after hours, being arrested. They have that video. Release it. What are we doing? I mean, it's not like it's not like we're even playing with one hand tied behind our back. Both hands are tied. Legs are shackled like Peter Navarro. And we have a blindfold on. And you've got Merrick Garland and everyone else sitting there. They must be laughing their asses off every day. Of course they are. Look, they were always knew that this was the play that they were going to use, which is namely that Trump went in there. He didn't have a lot of people around him that knew the system. These people know, you know, they know the system because they own it. Trump didn't know that. So he thinks he's playing on a fair playing field. Right. In his mind, the idea that he would ask somebody that, I guess, theoretically works for him, although they work for the government, wouldn't execute on, you know, something that he tells them to do. That's a foreign idea. So, of course, I mean, the presidential, I don't know if Trump and Meadows didn't talk to some lawyer, a lawyer like the OIG or no, I don't know if it's OIG, um, not that office, but if he didn't sp- speak to the o- office of legal counsel or Pat Cipollone or some other lawyer and say, hey, what's with this privacy act spiel we're getting about why we can't declassify this stuff or why why it's being held up, you know, them knowing that, of course, no one's going to hold them accountable if they don't declassify it because Trump's going to be in office for like 12 more hours, you know, if it's January 19th, 2021, when he started. I know, what is that? What, you know? Right. Well, look, it's, it's, Look, it's expected. And he should have said, you can shove the Privacy Act up your fucking ass. But he didn't do that. They didn't do that because, again, nobody around them seems to know the game. You know what I mean? They don't understand the game that's going on. And they don't understand that he's playing by one rule and and, and his opponent that left is playing by another. So, you know, it's um, again, it's more of the same. And I agree with you. I I think those I mean, how many times did we hear Trump say even before January that he was declassifying these documents and people were wondering, why don't you just declassify these documents? Right. About all the secret this on the the, all of this stuff going on at the DOJ and the FBI. Everyone is wondering, you could just declassify it. You you could just declassify it. And it never it really never happened. And then even when he did declassify it, you know, so It, it never happened. It was way too late. Uh, two days before, I mean, what is the point of this? Two days before, then you have the documents, we're told, that, and they've been sitting in a box now for 20 months. Like, pull the trigger, someone. Like, yeah. uh, that is even, those details to me are even more infuriating than the raid. Definitely. So. Yeah. Well. Well, that, that was a is, fun date. That's a, a fun that date. That was a speed and date. A happy date. It was a happy date. <laughs> a speed date. Um. As all our shows are. But um, thank you so much for listening. We will, Julia, are we going to be here next week? We are going to be here next okay. week. Yes. I think I'm good too. So we will be here next week. So tune in. And if you want, if you haven't subscribed to our podcast, Happy Hour with Julia and Liz on iTunes and rate us five stars, of course. And I'm happy to say we will be here and see you next week. Thanks for listening to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. We'll see you next week. Bye.